You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome. Back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association, the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. Like to remind all our viewers, you can submit questions during the show, and we will answer those before we wrap up. Without any further ado, I'd like to welcome in today's guest. We have former Georgetown Hoya. He was a seven-time All-Star with the Charlotte Hornets and Miami Heat. He is an NBA champion and a basketball Hall of Famer. We have Alonzo Mourning with us. Tyler, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Of course, it. man. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. Of course. Uh, first things first, how, how are you? Like to, I'd like to hear how, how people are doing. How are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing extremely well. Thank God. You know, my family's healthy and uh, I'm just living and trying to stay out of harm's way like everybody mm-hmm. else. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, a title I didn't mention. You were the current uh, vice president of player programs and development. Is that correct? Yes. For for the heat. Now, what's that role look like for you? Well, you know, first of all, the role is is pretty much based on a relationship model. You know, it's important for me to kind of establish a a strong, trustworthy relationship with with the players uh, so that I can help them not only be great professionals on the court, but, but off the court and just, I have a, a wealth of knowledge um, through the coaches and, you know, mentors mm-hmm. uh, and just my basketball experience over, you know, over 30 some odd years, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I'm able to share that with these these young men and to try to help them make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Like I said, not just on the court, but off the court as well. Definitely. Yeah. So we've got a, a couple of our legends, uh, Karan Butler, Ruth Riley, in the Heat organization. Uh, are they doing any work? Are they they just taking up space, or what? Uh, what what are they doing uh, with the Heat? Listen, you know, they uh, are using their um, their experience, the knowledge of the game, uh, to complement uh, our organization extremely well. Hmm. Um, obviously, uh, Karan's career. Uh, speaks for itself, you know, from Connecticut. He come from humble beginnings uh, and he's worked his butt off, you know, to get to where he is. And, um, you know, after retiring, you know, he did some color commentating as well. You know, and he spoke about the game at a very articulate level. Uh, now he's on the sideline, you know, mentoring and, and teaching, uh, teaching our young men, you know, so I'm um, I'm excited to see him transition into that role. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, I watched him in practice yesterday, and I just gave him a thumbs up when I when I saw from a distance, you know. So I'm proud of him and then Ruth. I mean, words can't explain. I mean, she you know, was an amazing player, uh, and you know, she is um, doing a phenomenal job behind the camera. Uh, really, um, 
explaining the game, articulating it in a very simplistic way so that fans can understand the game uh, at that particular level, you know. So she's doing a phenomenal job. I'm proud of her as well. Now, what have some of the challenges uh, been for you in particular just during the pandemic? Like, how has that changed, you know, what your what your duties look like? Well, um, as far as my job is concerned, you know, it's kind of difficult because I'm more, you know, a a hands-on, face-to-face type of guy with the player. You know, and my presence obviously uh, has some value in it as well, just being uh, present is Mm -hmm. extremely important, you know, so the guys see me and – uh, and I'm able, I'm able to have small dialogue with them, but you know, COVID has kind of limited that quite a bit. You know, I mean, COVID has has altered you know so many different professions, lifestyles. <laughs> right. You know, from the CEO level, you know, all the way down, yep, all the way down to essential workers. You know, so you know, we've all had to make these adjustments in life. You know, and. Um, I feel like we're slowly getting back to some sense of normalcy uh, as the um, the vaccine uh, has uh, had an effect on our society, you know, and I think that's helping out, helping us get back to some sense of normalcy. But we're still a ways away. I think a lot of the changes that society has made to adjust to this, I, I don't see a lot of companies going back you know, to, you know, the full office buildings and what have you. I think a lot more people are going to be working from home, to tell you the truth. And I think think if um, all of those that have invested in Zoom, you know, more power to you. Because because I think that's going to be, you know, the way of the world for quite some time, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for quite some time. Now, you mentioned in your role, you know, helping the guys on the court off the court. I know even in your playing days, right. you know, charity was something that you were were yeah. very heavy on. Was that something that you like knew you always wanted to do or is it something you just like you've always did it and then it just continued as a player? Well, one of the things that I, I, I kind of talk to the guys about, you know, each and every one of them. And I try to set the example as well that uh, we're all here because of the contributions of other people. Mm, absolutely. And and I'm sure you can speak from experience as well. Definitely. You know, those that kind of planted seeds in your life, you know, to help you to get to where you are. Uh, and it's important for us uh, to understand that we stand on the shoulders of those individuals, you know. So the only way that we can repay it back is to pay it forward to the mm-hmm. next generation, you know, to those that are in our community and those that lift us up, you know, as players and support the heat and what have you, you know, that's a way to paying it forward. Right. Uh, and to uh, not to look down at someone unless you're looking down to, 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 to lend a hand to, to pull them up. Mm. Uh, and, you know, understanding that the purpose of your blessings, you know, because we're all blessed playing, working for this amazing corporation and national basketball association, you know, we're all blessed to be able uh, to work uh, and, and play in a game that we, we grew up playing at, you know, 
seven, eight, nine years old. You know, I started at eight years old. You know, some people started younger than that, five. Mm-hmm. And we're blessed to be able to earn a solid living for ourselves and to, to be able to take care of our families, you know, just by working in the game of basketball. With all of that said, you know, the game of basketball would not be uh, without um, the audience that we perform for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they are global. It's a global audience that we perform for. And they're the reason why we have the job that we have, you know. So, and you got some people that are paying or spending, you know, their last dollar just to get a jersey or a or baseball card or, you know, things of that nature or buy a pair of our shoes, you know. And the, the least that we could do is use those blessings that we've gotten from the game to bless others with them. You know, mm. so um, as far as from a philanthropic standpoint, you know, I strongly believe that, you know, all of what we have, we can't take it with us. You know, right. so you utilize it in a way where you can stimulate change and utilize it in a way where you can still stimulate a positive difference in somebody else's life. Mm. Now, I saw on your, your Instagram, you've been doing some work with the, the OYC, the Overtown Youth Center. Uh, can you tell us about that, what, what you've got going on with them? Well, you know, that's a, a project that started, you know, over 20 years ago. And um, it is a project that evolved through a relationship. And I'm a strong believer that life is about relationships hmm. solely. And coming to Miami and, you know, 26 years ago, uh, I had a gentleman that approached me and say, hey, you know, uh, I admire what you stand for in this community. You know, I want to do my part. I'm a, I'm a developer. I'm an art collector. You know, I want to build something of substance in the inner city. He said, but I don't have time to run it and I want you to run it. So he built this 18,000 square feet facility. His name is mm-hmm. Marty Margulies. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked me to, to use every square footage of the building uh, for the children and families in that community. You know, I didn't know anything about running the center. So I found an organization in Portland, Oregon, through my connections with Nike, uh, mm-hmm. called, called SCI, Self-Enhancement Incorporated. And uh, I flew that organization, this, the head of that organization, his staff, I flew him down to Miami and I can't, went out of pocket and, and paid for his services to help set up an amazing culture that has allowed us to graduate 100% of our kids from high school, 90% wow. 90% of our kids go to college and graduate. You know, we start in the at the age eight, second grade, all the way through post high through age 25. And that's been up and running now for 18 years. And we're in the process right now of building a state of the art 56,000 square feet facility on the same footprint, right? As okay. we so we went from 18,000 square feet. We've, we've grown out of it. Now we're building up 56,000 square feet. So what you saw, what you've seen on the Instagram was different components of our programming now because we got to, we don't have a home yet because it's still on the construction. We work on site in the community. And one of the things we've done, we've partnered up with a lot of the corporations in in the city and during this pandemic has been a very challenging time for so many families. So we have been feeding 
hot meals, packaged hot meals with drinks and water and snacks and what have you. Over 300 meals uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hot meals. We get a catering company come in and prepare the meals. That's excellent. We give them out to the community. And then we give away boxes of fruits and vegetables and produce and dairy products. Mm. We partnered up with another company called Deliver Lean. And that's allow us to uh, provide fruits and vegetables and boxes to families as well. So every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we give away a total of a little over 500 boxes mm-hmm. and hot meals. That's excellent, man. I, I know mm-hmm. they're thankful for your work. I, I thank you, too, for, for doing that kind of work, setting that kind of example. Thank you so much. Well, that's just one component of the program. You know, mm-hmm. the, the initial focus is... Uh, literacy. I always tell our kids in our program, I tell them, I say, look, you know, if you can't communicate in this world, you can't survive, you know, so we just kind of teach them the importance of value in education, embracing it and understanding, you know, how it will open up other opportunities down the road for you, you know, so that you can work towards being a a positive contributing citizen. Definitely. Yeah. Going backward a little bit, you mentioned like the importance of education. When you were Coming out of high school, you were number one recruit. What attracted you to Georgetown and to like the culture that the the late great John Thompson uh, had established up there? Well, you know, it, it puts a smile on my face <laughs> for you to ask that question. You know, because I love uh, John Thompson dearly. You know, I mean, seriously. I mean, he's just the man saved my life. Uh, God rest his soul. You know, he was. Uh, he was a father figure to me, not just, you know, outside of the coaching and the basketball, you know, but right. he taught me so much about being a man, you know, but, but, but what attracted me was, you know, a lot of people don't realize that I grew up in foster care and mm. my foster mom, um, at that particular time, I was the number one high school player in the country. I was highly recruited and I had narrowed my schools down to five and, you know, everybody from Bayheim to Bobby Crimmins. Mm-hmm. Holland, Bob Wade, you know, and then John Thompson came to my house and John requested to be the last visit, be the last person to visit me. Mm-hmm. So Miss Three, my foster mom, who is a retired school teacher, uh, and she is, you know, God rest her soul, she passed at 96 years old, you know, so she ended up fostering 49 kids in her lifetime, 49. Yeah. Amazing woman, man. I mean, she just taught me so much about life and faith and, 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 and importance of education and, you know, qualities of being a man and just so many different things. So anyway, so big John came to the house and uh, he says, uh, he tells Mr. He said, look, you know, I know all the other coaches have come in, and they gave their pitch, and he said, I'm not promising this young man anything. Hmm. All of what he is going to get from our university, he's got to earn it, and he's got to work for it. Uh, he said, Miss Three, but I'm going to promise you one thing, though. He, he said that if, if your son goes to class, <laughs> he said, I can guarantee you that he's going to graduate from Georgetown University. So she turned and looked at me and she's like, well, we already know where you're going to school. (laughs) 
it, it was settled right then and there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, all the other coaches promised me, hey, he's going to start. If, you know, if he needs a job, we're going to make sure we take care of that. You know, they were, you know, they were giving their pitches and wanted to give, give, give. You know, Big John was like, I ain't giving them nothing. <laughs> he can earn it. If he yeah, going to get it, he got to earn it. He's got to earn everything that we offer. You know what I'm saying? He's got to earn it. So that's what attracted us to to Georgetown. Hmm. And, then I, up, and then I ended up graduating hmm. in '92, and then some years later, I ended up serving on the bo- on the board of trustees for six years. So go figure that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you graduated, did your four years, and it was you know different in the early '90s. But was there ever any thought of coming out early after you know freshman sophomore year? You know what? It, it it was, but it wasn't popular. Right. You know right. what I, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't yeah. it wasn't like one and done and that, I'm sure that in this current environment I would have been forced to leave after my freshman year because I mean I led the country in block shots my freshman mm-hmm. year. And then I had a dominant freshman year, you know, in the big east, mm-hmm. you know all these accolades and what have you, you know, so I could have easily left and been a lottery pick, but I had promised Miss three, Miss three. Uh, I, I, I promised my foster mom that I would stay in school and uh, I would get my degree. And um, you know what? I look back and um, you know, my time in, in the nation's capital and under the tutelage of John Thompson, uh, was the most enlightening experience in four of the best years of my life. Hmm. Now you like on the court, you weren't much of a three point shooter, right? Again, it was a different game. Do you think if you well, came up? Him. Yeah. I definitely shot him. Occasionally I shot okay. him. Every once in a while. <laughs> Every once in a while. So do you think if you well, came like up now? The, I like the higher percentage shots though. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. You think if you came up now you'd be Shoot like the corner threes or top of the break threes, or you think you'd still be more down low, higher percentage well, shots? Well, I think in the Florida offense that if the opportunity presented itself and I was left open, right, I had the capability of making those shots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would take maybe two, three tops a game. Mm-hmm. But you know, I knew what my strengths were. You know, I'm I'm not a Steph Curry. I'm not gonna try to be something that I'm not. Right. You know, and I was taught to play the game from the inside out. That's how I was taught. I was taught by my high school coach. I was taught by my junior high school coach, my JV coach. All of them taught me you play the game from the inside out. Hmm. So you throw the ball in, the defense collapses. You find the open man. You find the cutter. You find the spot up shooter, and you know you play from the inside out. You know I think the Houston, I think the Houston Rockets did a tremendous job of that during the years that they won. They threw the ball into mm-hmm. a team. If they didn't double, you went to work, big fella. You know what I'm saying? If they doubled you and they sloughed back, boom, he gets it back ball. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then he had Rudy Tomjanovich had four, had three potent shooters on the floor, and guys used to just knock down shots. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but now, I mean, you're playing the game from the outside in, you know, and they, it's a statistic, it's a statistical game now. Okay. And people, uh, their philosophy is, you know, the more threes I make, you know, the more effective, 
you know, I'll be as a team, you know, and I, I beg to differ, you know, because I think too much of one thing is bad for you. Right. You know, I think you need to have a steady diet of both. Right, like a nice variety. Yeah. You have a nice variety of both, you know, and I think that uh, the amount of layups that you get is going to open up the three. Mm. You know, so the amount of inside paint shots that you get is, you know, I, I don't think that that's something that can we we can excuse or we can downgrade. I, I think we need to prioritize dominating the paint. I think the teams that are the most successful are the ones that dominate that painted area and who rebounds the ball simply mm. because basketball is a possession game. It right. truly is. And it's the team with the most possessions the most opportunities is usually the team that ends up winning. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can see, I got my uh, my, my Kentucky stuff in the background. And you mentioned right. the, the inside out guys. Uh, what makes like a Bam Adebayo and Tyler Harrow special? Like I got a couple Kentucky guys down there. What makes them special? Well, I think about Tyler and I think about how fearless he is, man. Hmm. You know, he's – when you think about one- and two-year players, you don't, you don't see – the confidence in one and two year players that you see in Tyler Hero. Hmm. He's always looking for, and he actually thinks he makes every shot that he, he takes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he comes out on the court and his swagger, you know, his confidence, uh, you know, it's just amazing to watch, you know. Hmm. So I'm excited to see how his career is going to progress. I'm very excited to see how it's going to progress. Uh, as he gets stronger and his body feels out a little bit more, you know, he's going to be even more dangerous from that perspective. Uh, as far as Bam, uh, Bam is a do-it-all type of player, man. He's going to fill up the stat sheets with with your defense, rebounding, points, mm-hmm. assists. I mean, you name it, he's going to give it all to you. And, um, you know, one thing that I told Pat when he first when we first drafted him, and I told Pat, I said, I'm looking forward to the day that we hang his jersey up in the rafters, you know. And I saw it in him. I saw it in him then because, listen, the man, he comes from humble beginnings, single, single mother. He grew up in a trailer park. The hunger is there, and it's something that you cannot teach. You cannot teach the hunger. And he's, uh, Jesus, his work ethic is is. Uh, across the charts. I mean, he checks all the boxes as it pertains to work ethic. And um, I know that as time progresses, as his body gets stronger and he gets more acclimated to the, to the rigors of the sport, because the game can break you down physically. You know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't put the time in to take care of your body, it will break you down. Yeah. So, you know, I think as he continues to get his body stronger, you're going to see an even more, effective and a more dominant bam out of bio hmm. one more question for you then we'll jump into uh got a few viewer questions lined right. up but all-star game just passed i mentioned yeah. you you made seven of them what do you remember about your first all-star game well my first all-star game i didn't play in it it was in, <laughs> in i was i was hurt ah, okay uh, uh, i had like an achilles strain or something like that or ankle sprain or something like that but anyway I remember it being in Minneapolis. Uh, it was when they had just built the Target Center. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, 
I just remember the festivities that weekend. There was snow, <laughs> there was snow on the ground up to your knees. And I remember going out on Friday night. Prince had a party at Paisley Park, his studio. <laughs> okay. And it was everybody was dressed up, but it was snow on the ground trying to get into this place. And I'm gonna tell you, man, it was probably the liveest party I ever been to <laughs> in my whole career. I mean, Prince came down from the ceiling, he was in a cage, you know, <laughs> he was lowered down to the stage and he put on this performance. He sang Purple Rain. He ain't had no shirt on. He had a guitar draped around him. He had a chick with a with a leash around her neck. He was holding the chain. And I'm like, come on, man, Prince. <laughs> I, mean, he was, I mean, it was over the top. You know, it was it was something out of a movie. And being a you know a twenty you know three twenty four year old kid, man. I mean, I was like eyes like saucers, man. I was like, wow. <laughs> Is this what it really? This this what it's all about? You know? I, I made it. Like I'm here now. I made it. I made it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember about my my first All Star experience. Oh yeah, that, that's a that's a good memory to uh, to have I mean, and to keep yeah. with you. Tell me about it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> see, we'll uh, jump into some of the questions. Let's see uh, what we got here from our viewers. First one's from Bert Ferkins. Bert says, Alonzo, can you tell us your favorite Muggsy Bowles story? Uh hey, listen, Muggs, um the one the one that comes to mind like real quick. Hmm. I don't have to think about some other ones, but the one that comes to mind real quick is um, you know, my first practice with Muggs. No, I'm sorry, my first game. Hmm. And it was against the Indiana Pacers. We were at Market Square Arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me, he said, look, young fella, he said, I'm going to tell you one thing. He said, just don't let me beat you down the court. He mm-hmm. said, run and I'll find you. Right. And he kind of took me under his wing. I mean, it's amazing the smallest guy in the NBA, <laughs> you know, took me under his wing, you know. But I'm going to tell you, you know, he was always in my ear giving me the advice that I needed. And uh, very thankful for that relationship. I truly am, you know. But uh, that's one of the one story that kind of sticks out. And from then on, I made sure I, he didn't beat me down the court. I was flying <laughs> down the court. And he always found me. Right. I was, he, was, he was like a quarterback. And I was like a receiver because I was running and just looking over my shoulder because I knew the ball was coming. I right. knew it was coming. Yeah. Let's see our next question from Kobe. Kobe says, "What were the best jerseys you ever wore?" Uh, the best one that I ever wore was the NBA Finals jersey with the, the trophies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the special edition. Yes, no doubt. That's a special edition <laughs> one for sure. Yeah, that NBA Finals jersey with the patch right there on your jersey. Oh yeah, that's the. That's one I I want. Let's see, got one from the Legends Lounge. It says, "What are your thoughts on you having one of the best and most used gifts in history?" <laughs> I'm sure you know which one. Where you, you yeah, shake yeah. your head a little bit, and then you- exactly. yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? If if you were looking closely at that emoji, that uh, that gifts. Sure. So, if you look closely at it, look at the score. Okay? <laughs> 
right. Y'all were down a couple points. Yeah. Oh, we were a couple. We were down by like 40. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We were getting beat by the Bulls that day. I remember that. I remember that game. We were getting beat by the Bulls. And, um, you know, I, I think my um, my expressions spoke volumes. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the nodding part? What was the what did you realize where you were nodding? And you know what I didn't know what I realized, but I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm assuming I was saying, you know what it, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, you know, I can't believe it, but yes, yes. Next question, Matt says, "Who's your favorite big man to watch today?" Um, big man, you know, I see Bam as more of a, a, a power forward, but the center position from a center perspective, my favorite would be Joel Embiid. Okay. Yeah. 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 Outside of that, obviously Bam, mm-hmm. you know, but because he's more of a power forward, but true big man center, I mean, Joel Embiid. I mean, why, why Joel? Well, I mean, he reminds me so much of a king. Mm. He really was, you know. He's not as quick as Akeem was, mm. but he the footwork and you know the balance, the shots around the basket, the left hand, the right hand, the touch, yeah, the touch. I mean, all of that stuff. Akeem had all of that. Akeem was the toughest cover I ever had throughout my career. You know, mm. I, out of all the players, I mean, Akeem was the guy that you know. You had to put that X on the on the schedule, man, and you had to get ready for that one for sure. Get a, get a good night's sleep before. Oh, that. no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. You definitely did for sure. Yeah. So one more. It was a question I had for you. What what is heat culture like? I feel like we hear so much like you know heat culture. What is what is heat culture? What's that mean to you? It means a lot. You know, there's so many different elements of heat heat culture. You know, I mean, oh. Uh, there's so many words that kind of embody it. You know, there's the hardest working, uh, most professional, hmm. uh, toughest, nastiest, most respected, um, most prepared hmm. uh, team in the NBA. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, those, I think those words kind of embody the culture. And I think that from a professionalism and a preparation standpoint, it's, it's enforced. Like nobody's making it up themselves. Right. Everybody's falling in line and following the blueprint. You understand what I'm saying? And I hate to use the word enforced, but it's not really enforced, but it's echoed. Right. Well, myself, you know, uh, Mickey Harrison, Pat Riley, Adonis, yeah. um, UD, uh, Coach Spolster, all the coaches, we're all speaking the same language. So wherever a player turns, he's not going to hear anything different. Right. He's doing pretty much the same thing for all of us. In a different voice, yeah. It's just a different voice. <laughs> so eventually, after hearing it enough, after hearing it enough, they just fall in line. Right. You know, you just fall in line. And then if you don't fall in line, you don't last long there. Yeah. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you just don't last long. 
you know. So, I mean, it's about professionalism and preparation and being, you know, best condition. I mean, all those things, man, it's all embody what the culture is all about. Hmm. So you got one last one. I won't keep you too long. I'd like to ask all our legends this. We're getting together. Second half or second season of our, our, our legends playlist. Right. So what are you what are you listening to either around the house when you drive into the facility? What uh, what's in your headphones? What's in your car speakers? What's playing? Well, I'm I'm a nineties hip hop guy. Okay. Okay. And uh I'm an old school R and B guy. Okay. Okay. So anywhere from Bobby Walmack to Luther. <laughs> okay. Uh, some singing, I, I, some singing, yeah, is that <laughs> no doubt? Yeah, yeah. Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on, you know. So, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm an old school R and B guy, and and a '90s hip hop guy. Got to do '90s hip hop. This hip hop, these the current hip hop these days, I don't understand it. But the <laughs> '90s hip hop, brother. I mean. I mean, naughty by nature. Mm. I mean, Biggie, Tupac. I mean, the list. Jay Z. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, mm. all nineties. Um, Tribe Called Quest. I mm. mean, keep going. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm straight. If I'm gonna do rap, it's got to be nineties. Okay, so it's either nineties yeah. rap or, or some old R&B Wu Tang. Okay, you got to do the Wu. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll throw a one R and B and one one nineties rap song on the playlist for you. I like it, brother. <laughs> Lonzo Morning, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man. It's an honor. And big shout out to all the legends out there, man. We paved the way, baby. Definitely. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, though. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. That'll do it for this week's Legends Live. As you know, we got new episodes live every Thursday here, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. Catch us on the NBA Alumni's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch page. I'd like to remind you, you can watch any replay of uh, any episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash legendslive. You can catch the audio replay to any of our conversations by searching for Legends Live wherever you get your podcast. I'd like to give a big thank you to Alonzo Morning for joining us. Thank you to Bridget and Julio behind the scenes. Thank you to you for watching, and we'll see you next Thursday.